Good morning again, everyone. Uh, this is your host, Lawyer Stu Jenkins at Slow County Public Policy and the Law, KNews 98.5. And we are speaking today with Calcos News reporter, Ms. Karen Veely. Karen, uh, welcome again to the show. Thank you for having me on the show. We, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the uh, Kristen Smart case, or more, more uh, accurately, the Paul Flores con conviction case. Um, you've been involved in that for years, reporting on that uh, yes. investigation. Um, can you tell us how Calcos News uh, got involved in that? Well, we were actually looking about at it well before he was arrested. The mother would call, other people would call and give information. This has just been a, an ongoing media throughout the county covering this for years. But when they went in and raided his house and found date rate drugs, they found videos. Um, he had self-made videos that appeared to be rape videos. Some of the women were gagged. This was Paul Flores. Paul Flores at his home. It was shortly after that that they arrested him and his father. They arrested him um, for the murder of Kristen Smart, saying it was done during a sexual assault, and they arrested his father for helping him um, allegedly get rid of the body. Now, the father was found not guilty by the jury. It's hard to do a case without a body, but I think personally that part of the reason that the jury was so supportive of the attorney uh, for the father, Ruben Flores, was because he had Harold Misick, and he was very straight, very clear. He didn't exaggerate. He didn't pull, play games, and he didn't tell fibs. He just said, there really isn't enough evidence. The fact that he wouldn't let them fix a line under there and he fixed it himself is not evidence that he knew something was buried under there. Um, and Harold Misick is a former uh, law enforcement officer. Absolutely. Who is now an attorney. Uh, Mr. Sanger was the attorney uh, defending uh, Paul Flores. Uh, did, did the jury seem impressed with his presentations? Absolutely not. And I will tell you why I say that. Even during the preliminary hearing, he was telling the judge in his closing statement, um, he made some claim about something that was said during the testimony, and the judge says, I don't remember that. And the prosecutor said, because it didn't happen, and then when he was giving his ruling and setting it to trial, the judge said, I looked that up, it didn't happen. During this, it was the same thing. But this is extraordinary. When the jury was deliberating, they came out, they can come out and ask the judge a question. One of their questions was, do we believe what was said at trial or what the attorney, Sanger, said was said at trial? That's, that was that actually was one of the jury's question. That was actually a jury question. Oh my! And when you when you sit through this, you find that he changes what really you know he kind of changes what was said and keeps repeating it differently. And it's pretty easy to see that he's doing that. And I don't think people that were watching it were telling me he doesn't come off as honest. I can't imagine the jury found that he was honest. But the amount of evidence of um, Paul's bad behavior with other women, I think, also had a major impact on this. Now, the judge gave the, the sentence of 25 to life, and there's been multiple media that have all reported this differently. 
Some have said that means he can apply for parole in 15 years. Others said he could never apply for parole. How this works by, by statute is he can apply for parole in 25 years. So after he serves the minimum of 25 years, he can start applying for parole. Did the judge give him credit for the time served? I, I think they always do, don't they? Well, I, I'm just asking the question because I wasn't at the hearing. I didn't hear that, but I, um, I thought that was always credit for time serves. Sometimes. Um, that's true. But uh, judges have a broad discretion. So um, you've got a big story now out on the uh, Mance. Is it still called the Mance? It's, now um, it's called Avila Senior Living Avila in Senior. downtown Slope. And it used to be the manse, and in fact, uh, there there was uh, a manager, I believe, of that that uh, actually was prosecuted for uh, uh, mistreating residents. Um, manslaughter, that, actually. Manslaughter. And uh, now we have new owners, and what has uh, come up at this point in your in your reporting? And let me explain the manslaughter charge first. What was happening, it's, this is probably the most expensive senior living and the nicest it was then to stay at in the county. As a result, they had some empty rooms, and in the independent living part, it also has an assisted living part, you cannot have people that are having memory issues. When they need memory care, you can't put them in the, in the wrong facility. They had people in independent living that could come and go that had serious memory issues. And that was what they were charged with, was taking the money to put this person in, and they walked away and then walked out in the road and a car hit them. And that was the manslaughter charge. But back then, the food was fabulous. The place was gorgeous. It, it's kind of the premier place to send your parent. This is on Marsh Street in San Luis Obispo. Yes. And then during, um, when this closed down, it was picked up by kind of an uh, investment company out of India. And they brag on their website that they're able to buy companies in the U.S. and operate them cheaper than other people at a lower cost and as a result make more money. And it, that's the primary thing they talk about on their website is how much more they can squeeze out of a business. I started getting calls from residents during the COVID lockdown. And there were several residents that were saying they were hungry. One man was shooting me pictures of his meals. And it, it was sad. It was, uh, you know, a piece of fruit and a biscuit for breakfast. One time he shows me his, his dinner, and it's salad with croutons and cheese and an egg on top. And he said, I've lost five pounds in a month, and I'm hungry all the time, and they won't let us go to the store. We're not allowed to leave. And we're trapped here, and we're not getting food. I called at the time, and I asked about it, and I was told that it was due to the food shortages. Um, I did actually send um, a bunch of the people's names and the pictures and the complaints to County Social Services, hoping that they, they told me they, were, they would push it on to the state and have it looked at. Since then, in probably the last two and a half years, They've had 36 violations, and uh, from, they're extraordinary. From what, what agency? It's the uh, it's with social services in the county, and it's I can't remember the exact acronym for it, but it's a um, it's the agency that oversees all these kinds of facilities. 
it, they're interesting. For example, your contractor, when you live there, you can say, I want someone assisting my mom in there when she has a shower. I don't want her in there showering alone. So someone's paid to go in and help with the showers twice a week. Well, someone complained to the state they weren't coming in and helping them, and they came in and they looked at 21 days back, and I think they found over 50 times they either didn't show up or showed up late. Problems with food left out, you know, moldy food, food without proper storage, many, many complaints at, this, at the um, facility. But one of the biggest ones isn't even written up by the state yet. I was told by people involved that last Friday night, the person that was working there, and this is assisted living and independent living, got off work and her replacement, one person replacement didn't show up, and she just locked the doors and left. So no one was there that night. You had calls this last week with someone claiming that when one person left their shift, they just locked the doors because the next person had not shown up? Yes. And I had been told by someone um, in government that there was something that happened last week that was more serious than any of the other allegations. But they were going to wait till I saw it online. And then I was called by someone else and told um, that it was the issue with Friday with leaving. And no one was hurt. No one had an accident. But I know of smaller facilities with less people that will have three people on the night shift. And one of the complaints the state is making is that they are not properly staffed and they don't always have the right medical personnel there. And for example, in the state report, they talk about the head of the facility putting meds in envelopes with names on it and one of the staffers going and giving the meds to the wrong people. And one of the people then was in their bed dizzy and having trouble because they'd given her someone else's medications and that person got their medications. Has there been a reaction by uh, the owners to your reporting? Yes. <laughs> okay, I guess we're going to cover that in the next segment of our discussion because please stay tuned to Slow County Public Policy and the Law only at KNews 98.5. Yeah.